Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Campionato di calcio italiano. Welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast, quite belatedly this week, but after some technological issues, we are finally live and it feels brilliant. Um, joining me this week as ever is Vito Doria. Vito, welcome along. Yeah, thank you, Connor. Um, unfortunately, we're here in uh, tragic circumstances, but um, yeah, hopefully we can do justice this week. Yeah, and well, that kind of brings me nicely on to our next guest, Vieri Capretta. It's been a long time since we spoke. As good as it is to speak to you again, the circumstances that reunite us are less than fortunate. Yeah, hello, everybody. Good to, good to be back on the pod. Of course, it is, uh, it's been a long day for every lover of Italian football, and more so if you're uh, linked to, to Florence and Fiorentina, of course for Davide's story passing away and uh, yeah it's one of the reasons that brings me to the podcast uh, <laughs> I would have uh, hoped for something different um, for me to be here but that's the case and obviously um, the, the day's been surreal uh, totally different to any other Sunday totally different to what we expected with so many big games today that obviously didn't take any place yeah well look that's what I was thinking coming on to this because usually before every round of fixtures even starts, I'm kind of looking ahead at the fixtures, thinking to the pod, and trying to kind of predict where the big stories from the weekend are going to come from. What games do I need to watch, pay more attention to than others? Uh, sometimes games just jump out at you, like the Derby would any other weekend, but not so much this weekend, because some weekends they're not that obvious. This weekend looked like it was going to be one of those tough weekends. We had Lazio playing Juve, Napoli playing Roma. And of course, the derby, and it, it was going to be a difficult one. Then Dybala did what he did. The decision looked easy. Napoli got smashed. It got a little more difficult, and that was before the derby had even taken place. And then you wake up this morning and you hear what you hear, and 
your immediate thoughts, VR, you touched on this and something you wrote was, is this true? Because we see so often these fake news stories going around. From an Irish perspective, we had it countless times with Liam Miller, who has sadly since passed away as well. And then it became apparent that Davide's story had passed on. Vieri, do you want to share your thoughts here? Well, exactly. I Obviously, today is a, is a big day in Italy because we have our general elections. So uh, from a very personal point of view, I can tell you how I found out about the, the story um, passing away. Well, essentially, I went to vote <laughs> this morning. And then when I came out of the, of the ballot, I got a message in my group with, uh, with other Florentine journalists. And they were all saying, well, we got this message from, uh, from Udine from a policeman uh, who obviously had known of the of Astori's death and none of us could really believe it everyone was like well it must be some someone who's just you know being a bit stupid with uh, with some silly joke then someone else did say in our group well why would they why would they bring in someone like Astori and not a politician or or a bigger name in football um so within 20 minutes, we found out it was uh, it had actually happened. We we rang the the press officers of Fiorentina, and then obviously within half an hour there was a, a an official post online on the on the Fiorentina website, and that's and that's all the official procedure. Obviously, what we cannot really grasp is well getting to grips with what actually happened, and even just the Fiorentina staff finding out this morning. Um, when obviously we we found out through through various reports that uh, all the Fiorentina players were about to have their usual match day breakfast at half past nine, and Astori, being the captain and being the kind of um, charismatic leader he was in the changing room, he was always one of the first ones to turn up, uh, especially on match day. And he didn't turn up. They tried to call him uh, in multiple ways, and then they obviously had to break uh, through in, into his bedroom and find out that he, that he had passed away for something. We, we now know it's natural reasons. We, don't, we know it's a cardiac arrest. We don't know what actually caused it. And um, it will be one of the things we should find out in the next days. But it's, everything is, is just totally unbelievable from my point of view. And for, for everyone who does follow Italian football and, and Fiorentina so closely. Yeah, but we probably should say from the top that all of today's games were postponed as a result, which is absolutely the right call because there would have been players, fans, even coaches involved in every match that would have known a story personally. So the decision makes perfect sense. Um, I always find with this sort of thing, it's it's those little real details that really get to you because you hear that a player that you've never met has passed away. Well, I've never met Vieri. I'm sure you've shared a conversation with him before and you you don't think about it. And then it's that detail that he's not down for breakfast when he's usually the first one there. And then people start to wonder what's going on. And at no point would it have crossed any of those people's minds that they were never going to speak to their captain again. And the real details about they haven't just lost the club captain, but many of them have lost a good friend. There's a two year old girl now who has lost her father. And obviously his partner who, is without Davide. It's it's tragic. Vito, have you got anything to add on this? 
it just seems so sudden with the timing of it all. And when you hear uh, stories like this, sometimes you suspect foul play because he was only 31 years old and it's a tragic way to die and a tragic time to pass away, you know, at such a young age. So to hear that news, for me, I was in complete shock. I mean, I thought, this is surreal. This can't be happening. I suppose that happens when either famous people or when young people pass away. So it really took a while to sink in. And then once the reports filtered out that he actually passed away and that the games were going to be cancelled, that's the realisation that this was no fake news or this was not something just to gather attention. Like Vieri said, why would you do it about someone like a story? Probably you do it about someone more controversial, more famous, but yeah, it was a real, real shock. Yeah, and it, it later came out then today that he was about to sign a new contract at Fiorentina. And it, it almost feels strange to talk about it in footballing terms again, but he was supposed to sign his new deal last Thursday, but because of the weather conditions, it was postponed until tomorrow with his Monday. Um, and he, he was going to sign a new deal at the club there. Vieri, um, I've praised you off air for this, but I want to do it publicly on air. You wrote a fantastic tribute, a beautifully and delicately written piece, um, just a tribute to Davide Story, the man, the footballer, everything. And I do recommend everyone that's listening to this that has an interest in Italian football, even if you don't, just go and read Vieri's piece because it is brilliant. And myself and Vito were praising you before you managed to find your way into this conversation. So, Really good job on that. Thank you, thank you. I, I think, um, I mean, it's. I wouldn't call him someone I've I've met <laughs> profoundly, of course, but I had the chance to speak to him um, a couple of times. Literally, just hi and and goodbye, and a couple of uh, uh, voice clips for interviews. But he was a genuinely nice guy, um, and it, it's easy to say it about someone who's passed away. It's often the case, but. Uh, I've I've been hearing this kind of sentence all day from people who are a lot closer to him uh, than I've um, ever been. But he was a genuinely nice guy. He was a leader. He was someone uh, people listened to, and someone who listened to people as well. He was good to learn, and so it was you know it made his teammates and uh, coaches and journalists very comfortable around him. So it is um, it's, it is a, a big loss, not just in uh, purely technical terms, but Generally speaking, it's a, it's a human being who who passed away at this age and it feels any sort of tribute is, is never really enough, but it's, it's just life that's so unpredictable. Yeah, it absolutely is. And it, it always feels wrong and often cold-hearted to move from something like this into football. But at the end of the day, that's why we are all here. So I think it's probably time to move on to the games that did play, take place this weekend. But final thoughts, really, just our condolences go out to everyone who knew Davide's story, Fiorentina fans, his family, everyone connected to the club and the man. Um, he's definitely someone who's been taken too soon. But if we're going to talk about the football, then, guys, uh, I guess the best place to start is with yesterday's game between Lazio and Juventus because... It looked for quite a while here as if it was going to be quite a good weekend for Napoli. And then Paolo Dybala stepped up in the 
hundredth minute, 93rd minute, whatever it was, and produced an absolute moment of magic. And Napoli's weekend went downhill from there. Vito, um, the title race is in Juventus's hands again, isn't it? A lot would suggest that um, the momentum is certainly in their favour because, well, usually when Juve regains these kind of leads, it's um, yeah, hard for them to lose it. Fortunately, the, with the ladder as it stands at the table, uh, Juve do have a game in hand and there's still one point behind Napoli, but a lot of people would just assume that once everyone has the same quota, same amount of games... Juve would just surge ahead. So, um, yeah, unfortunately for us as neutrals, uh, the momentum is in their favour. Vieri, Palo de Bala hasn't always been available for Juventus, but when he can produce what he did on Saturday, they've got to be seen as favourites, really, haven't they? How important do you think his return to fitness and selection is going to be for the Biancaneri? Absolutely, hugely important. I cannot believe that a lot of uh, uh, commentators and pundits were saying that when Matuidi was injured, he was the main man missing for Juventus. For example, that was something that was brought up um, a lot when when Juve got that 2-2 result at home against Tottenham. And I just thought to myself, surely it's got to be Dybala, the main man missing here, because he's the one that wins games on his own. As much as Matuidi is a very important midfielder, especially when Juve play with three-man midfield, Dybala is the kind of player that wins a game on his own. And we saw that against Lazio incredibly. I mean, <laughs> nobody expected that goal. Nobody. I don't think uh, Allegri did. Nobody in the team. And you saw that in the celebration from, um, from the whole of the Bianconeri. So, well, Paolo Dybala... We saw that we saw him at the start of the season. He's back now. They did miss him a lot, and he could be the the one to bring the title uh, to Juve. Yeah, it it, it kind of had that feel after about I don't know sixty five seventy minutes of one of those games where Juve don't quite play at their best. They come up against a stubborn and strong opposition, but they just grind out that win. But then. I was doing the report for this game and as you guys both know from doing reports that you submit on the final whistle, you generally start putting it all together and get putting the final touches on it with about five, 10 minutes left. And I put it off as much as I could because I was just thinking, no, Juve, or, Juve will score here. As soon as I start writing that introduction, Juve score. And I put it off until the 91st minute and then I thought, okay, this, this is safe now. Lazio have actually held out for a draw. Structured it all, and then bang, Palo de Bala steps up and does that. But uh, It's predictable, frustrating, but even as much as you predict it, they still continue to find ways to surprise you. It, it's ridiculous. Vito, I'll bring you back in, because one thing that really stood out for me during this game was Stefan Licksteiner is seriously past his best. And I know we should probably be praising Juventus, but if they are to win the Scudetto this year they need to find a way to limit his involvement or at least protect him a little bit more because he was, he looked out of his depth against Jordan Lukaku. Yeah, he did. Uh, Lukaku was um, very rapid and there were moments where Lukaku's ball control was very good. So he wasn't just all about, you know, pace and directness. Uh, Lick Steiner, 
looks like he was on his way out about a summer or two ago, but he's still at the club and I think that's why it's important that uh, Matteo Di Chilio needs to have, you know, more playing time or better run with fitness. If uh, if De Chilio is the first choice right back now, uh, you'll be in a better place. But I think, you know, when Lickstein is playing, it shows that Juve do have those signs of decline because the team is aging and Licksteiner is not the player that he once was, especially during the Antonio Conte era. Now, I did say that we should probably praise Juventus, but Vieri, I don't know about you, I can't really think of any new ways to praise them because we've been doing it for, what, six, seven years in a row now. Have you got anything new to say about them? Well, just look at the at the game. They win scrappy games. We've said that a lot of times about Juventus. Um, and Napoli against Roma, obviously, weren't at their best, but they collapsed mentally hugely. Now, of course, we need to praise Juventus and not um, talk badly about Napoli just yet. <laughs> but but obviously, that Dybala goal, almost, it's almost like he scored against Napoli as well. It's that ability that Juve have of doing the right thing at the right time, which you know, in a way, has made much more of a difference than just that result. Scoring that goal at that, in that moment after playing so badly or so average, let's say, against Lazio uh, has done a double effect, giving them the win and helping Napoli then, uh, you know, have that mental fragility against, against Roma. So I think if there's another praise we can bring to Juve is knowing when to get that extra magic um, on the on the pitch and, and get the crucial wins in the season and we saw it this year the past and uh, the, the past six years as you said yeah well they never know when they're beaten do they have which you can't really say for Napoli given the weekend's evidence but I, I still do think we should give some sort of praise to Lazio because they were quite good the first half in particular they basically went toe for toe toe to toe at Juventus and looked to get at them and looked to win the game then the second half, it seemed like they were more happy to just take a point and not be beaten. But they probably could have taken it to Juve a bit more, but you can kind of understand them settling for the point. Uh, Vito, were you impressed, or is this just what we should expect from Lazio? Look, I'm going to sit on the fence a bit and say a bit of both. In a way, I don't think we can expect Lazio to beat Juventus convincingly. Mind you that uh, Lazio have got results against Juve in the Super Cup and in the league before. So one would have assumed that the Bianco Celeste could have got at least a draw out of it or even the win. Uh, my concern would have been just Lazio's finishing, perhaps. Usually they would have scored a few of those chances that they created. But uh, Gianluigi Buffon, I thought he did well coming off his line, made some good saves. So it Although, in general, I think Buffon's showing signs of decline, especially in big games. I thought this was one of those days where he showed that class is permanent and it shows that, you know, he will have those games where he can show that the Buffon of old still can be appearing here and there. Yeah, there was a moment, I think it was a mobile I was going through and Buffon came out off his line and I just had flashbacks of against Atalanta when he came out and didn't quite get there and Papa Gomez hit the post against Spurs when he came out and Harry Kane knocked it past him and scored and this is 
not something you usually associate with Buffon. Usually he fancies himself to just stay in his line and stop the shot, but it seems like he's been panicking or something in recent weeks by trying to cut out the danger early and not just backing himself to do his job when the striker gets the shot off. I want to talk about Sergei Milinkovic Savic, Vieri, because I think it's only fair. We've we've praised him when he's been brilliant at times this season, but people have been putting a price tag on him of a hundred. I've even seen two hundred million euro put on his head in recent weeks. Which to get that sort of price tag put on him, does he not need to dominate games like this, especially when Juventus's midfield isn't quite what it was when Sami Kadira is in form? I think there's two things to say there. Well, the first one is that price tags now where they are, are pretty, you know, inflated anyway. So you can buy a Mohamed Salah for 40 million and then, you know, with, they, they won't sell Coutinho for, uh, for 120. So it's, it's a, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't, you know, use the price tag as an excuse for Milinkovic Savage. What, what I would say is that he's been playing a lot and constantly, and always re- he has always really intense games. And Lazio have played 120 minutes on Wednesday, so it was always going to be tough for them to come into this game very fresh. Against Milinkovic Savic, I, I have to say he's become more and more sloppy in, in the past couple of months. He always is a bit like the, the, the worst Paul Pogba at Juventus. You know he can be that technical as well as so physically dominant, but there's no need for them to do it. You know, that extra uh, back heel, that extra flick, that is completely unnecessary and um, often even a bit frustrating when you're watching them. So the similarities between the two are obviously huge, and this is one of them. You need to be more focused on getting the result in terms of getting the goals, getting the assists. When Milinkovic Savic will do that, he'll be one of the top three midfielders in the world. That's why he's still just Milinkovic Savic and at Lazio and not you know, uh, a Paul Pogba at Manchester United or, or that kind of category. But he's, he's, got the, he's got everything that takes to become a top midfielder. He just needs to grow that final step mentally. And that means, um, you know, avoid all the useless stuff and focus on the game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, do you want to move on to Napoli-Roma then? Because I'm, I'm quite torn on this. Napoli obviously were beaten 4-2 at home and... It really, it was a strange one because they went 1-0 up after three minutes, I think, maybe five, but they didn't quite look at it and they did look like they had taken a bit of a mental battering from seeing Juve win in the circumstances that they did. Vieri, are you seeing this as a Napoli collapse or are you more willing to give praise to Roma? Well, I would love to give praise to Roma because I think uh, um, they've been missed in, in recent months, but I'm, it's more of a, of a Napoli collapsing because the fans were celebrating <laughs> before the game started, not knowing the final result from the Lazio-Juve game. And then they found out, and obviously that was depressing for everyone. And Napoli went ahead in that game against Roma. I think it, was, it showed fragility, mentally speaking, that they were so keen on uh, getting out of the Coppa Italia, getting out of the Europa League, just to focus on Serie A. That shows they're not, they haven't made that final step into becoming a top, top team. And maybe Mauricio Sarri has made all his calculations that he needs to play one game a week for the team to do their very best and have a proper shot at winning the title. That's, that's the case, obviously, in, in his calculations. But a top, top team does not get knocked out like they did against Atalanta and against Leipzig. 
It's just not what you do. And I think the repercussions of being knocked out in, in those games were visible against Roma. The moment Napoli conceded the equalizer just a minute after scoring the opening goal, they were out of the game. They stopped playing completely. The 2-1 killed it off. And that you, you can't afford to do that. You can't afford to, to against a Roma that was so struggling in, in recent months, to, to not react. You know, you can lose the game, but you, you don't lose it 4-1, 4-2. Yeah, 4-2 was kind of generous for them as well because they did get that goal in yeah, exactly, the final time. minutes. Yeah, the game, the game was done. and It was a great strike from Mertens, but I think Allison had probably clocked off by that point. Um, you mentioned Sarri. We're going to come to him in a minute. Vito, do you think that the Napoli players, if they're serious about this Scudetto pact that they've been so public with, um, if, if they're seriously challenging for the Scudetto this year, should they be allowing um, a Juventus result to so obviously deflate them and get in their heads? Vito, what do you think? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It should deflate them. It should not get them down. In fact, it should make them even more tougher, more resilient, as well as give them the desire to prove everyone wrong, that they're not just a team that plays beautiful football. They can get results with that football. And in Italy in particular, where they are so preoccupied with results, for a team like Napoli to win in style would really send a huge message. Unfortunately, losing to Roma was a big blow. One thing I really found concerning was they weren't as efficient as they usually are. Usually, the passing is far more precise, far more accurate, and they penetrate a lot more. Uh, The passing this time looked a bit either a bit casual or a bit sloppy and probably not as inventive. It seemed that even with the running, they were more sluggish, whereas Roma were far more efficient, a bit more direct, and they looked like they were playing with far more graded intensity than Giallorossi. Yeah, one thing that 
if I'm to be critical of Lorenzo Insigne specifically, that I would criticize him for is that once he gets frustrated, he kind of turns into a bit of a child because he just starts shooting from 20, 25 yards every time. And it drives me mad because personally, I want to see Napoli win the Scudetto this year. I've been quite vocal about that, but very, why does he keep doing this? Why hasn't that been drilled out of him yet? Especially with the way this Sarri team play. Because I think that's the, it's not just a problem for him, it's a problem for, it reflects the whole team. If they're not at their best with their passing, and as Vito was very right, they weren't the other night, it's difficult to understand how um, it's, a, it's a Napoli not doing as well as usual and Roma just pressing very well and defending very well. It's a bit of both, uh, I gather. But Insigne obviously gets frustrated because he can't have that same kind of usual, fresh and fluid play with his teammates. And he's just, as you said, he just starts shooting. And uh, it probably shows there, there are limits for this Napoli side, obviously, and especially in the individual players. They, are, they do their best as a team. And I think it's fair to say that if you take the players individually in each position, you would pick most of them from Juventus rather than Napoli. I think that's a given. And there's reasons why Insigne still hasn't been the kind of winning player we all expect him to be. And... One of his limits is clearly mentally, and if he's not at his best, when seeing his teammates doing what they all do best all together as an eleven, he is frustrated and he does try and solve every problem on his own, and it's clearly not the best thing for this Napoli side. Whereas Juventus needs DiBala to score that goal, Napoli needs the whole team to go forward uh, as a one as a single unit, and it didn't happen against Roma. Um. Maurizio Sarri then, I've, I backed his kind of decision to almost throw every other competition from the Coppa Italia to the Europa League to focus on the Scudetto, but it doesn't look like it's going to bear any fruit because, right, one thing, I want to get into Sarri's head here because he was so adamant that he was going to play his second team in the Europa League and then was it Allegri said something saying, oh, if if you want to be winners, you need to compete on more than one front, blah de blah And people got a bit critical of Sarri, and it, it seems like he's given in because he then went on and played a strong team in the second leg of their Europa League game against Leipzig, despite completely throwing the first. And he was moaning back in January about the fact that Juventus would play most of their games before Napoli would, despite that being their own fault for getting knocked out of the Champions League. It really makes me question his mentality. Vito, do you think that Sarri is kind of been getting the excuses in early and almost handing them to his players on a silver plate? It's come to the point that he has been providing too many excuses and it's not the way to go if he really wants this Napoli team to win. They have the tactics, the style of play, but I guess it's that mental strength that's been lacking. And... There are some mixed uh, reviews and opinions about Napoli juggling competitions. And in a way, I think it was right that they focused more on the Scudetto because of a lack of depth. But I think the way things stand now, uh, it's not looking good. And if they don't win the title, then it, it clearly shows that Sadi lacks that winning mentality. Because really, 
Napoli, as beautiful as they play, they've got to develop this mindset of winning at all costs. They're not going to always win every single game with style and score five or six goals. Um, I don't want them to be like Juventus and win ugly constantly because I think a lot of people, aside from the Juventini, are just sick of that. And it's a bad image for Italian football. But Napoli needs to just keep their heads up, you know, keep playing their style of football. And even when it doesn't work, you know, learn to fight, grind it out, do the dirty work when necessary and get the points because it's come to the point now for Sarri and for that Napoli squad, they got to get results. they got to add to the silverware cabinet. Uh, Sam Fox has come in in the comments and quite beautifully put it. Napoli have put all their eggs in one basket. Now it's turned out to be more of a cheap supermarket plastic bag than a basket and it is ripped and the eggs have smashed all over the floor. Um, I wouldn't quite go that far yet. But Napoli, right? What an analogy. <laughs> yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I felt it, it needed to be read out. I found myself getting very irritated after this game because people were so quick to act genius and praise Juventus for winning the seventh straight Scudetto. This Napoli team have shown over the last year that they are an astonishing team on their day. And they have picked up more points than Juventus since the beginning of, what, twenty. 17 it would be and as things stand they are still on track to pick up 97 points at the current current points per game average and the max they can get is 102 I think um, I think that could be wrong but if we look at the the points the Serie A points winning tallies over the last few years with the exception of that freak season that Juve had in 2013-14 when they got 102 points the most they've reached is 91 so are we being ridiculous to criticise Napoli because they are on track to have a record-breaking season, not just for them, but for Serie A, and they might still come up short? Vieri, what do you think? Well, two things on that. The first one is that every, everything that, uh, every club is doing now is record-breaking. <laughs> and it's been the case for a couple of years, and that's because the bottom teams are, are just too bad. Uh, so watch out with the record-breaking bit of things. One thing that has to be said about Napoli, and I think there's no reason to criticize them um, for, for what they're doing in Serie A. Yeah, I, I disagree with uh, putting all the eggs in the same basket because I would have tried my best in the Europa League because uh, I think it's a great trophy to try and, and win. But the decision has been made. But let's not forget, everything regarding Serie A is still in Napoli's hands. If Napoli win in Turin and win every other game, you know, it's not like... They have to win in Turin and hope that Juventus make uh, another mistake. They're still within reach in the direct clash uh, at the Juventus Stadium. So it's not over yet. Let's put it that way. That game will, will feel a lot like a final uh, if, there's, uh, if both teams win all the other games. But um, that's still the, the Scudetto title race is still in Napoli's hands. And Napoli have everything to win it and they've proved it as you said in terms of of points i just think juventus are favorites i think they've been since the start of the season rightly so in terms of their spending power their um how they're used to win and their winning mentality so it is tough to beat this juventus side and we've seen it for the past six years so it's not an easy thing for napoli to do but they've got everything to do it and they're if they if they win in turin they can they can still get that that's good yeah. yeah, absolutely. The, my, my main problem was that people were 
talking about Napoli all of a sudden as if they were Bologna uh, and they had no chance of catching. That always happens with with uh, the mentality Vito was talking about, about you need to get results in it and it's the whole debate depends on results and people should have a bit more balance in their judgments, that's for sure. Mm. Well, Juve still have, what, 12 games left to play and there's no way they don't drop any more points between now and then. I know they're more than capable of doing it, but there's just absolutely no way they win every single game between now and the end of the season. Um, right, guys, I, I'm I'm done with the top two. Just if I can get predictions, who's going to win the league, Vieri? I'm going to say Juventus again. I've been saying it since the start of the season. Uh, but, of course, I wouldn't mind Napoli doing so. Vito, have you? Are you sticking with Napoli? or For the time being, I'm going to stick with Napoli. And that's only because I think Juve have some tough games. Okay, for Juventus, they're more than capable of winning them. But um, I think that with the way AC Milan has been rejuvenated under Gennaro Gattuso, I wouldn't rule them. I wouldn't rule the Rossoneri out of that clash. So I still think that's um, winnable. And yeah, I, I'm just hoping for that miracle that, you know, in the last uh, year or two, Napoli has actually gone to Turin and beat Juventus. So maybe they can do it again. Who knows? And and this one is really out of left field, but I'm really hoping for a result like in 2013 when Sampdoria back in Serie they went down to 10 men. <laughs> Here he goes. Mauro Icardi scored two goals to beat Juventus. If Sampdoria can create a miracle like that, that would cause headlines around the world and... You'll see me in a more chirpier mode than usual. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, they still have to play. We can only hope. They still have to play the boys from Bergamo as well. So remember that. Sure. Atalanta will go mm. to Turin and take a point. Uh, unless yeah. Juve get given an invisible penalty again. But let's not go there. Uh, Vieri, we've spoken a lot about the, uh, well, not a lot, but a bit about the relegation fight. And Spal got a huge win in the Emilia-Romagna derby against Bologna and I believe you commentated on this I think we might be the only two people outside of Italy that actually watched this game (laughs) I was um I was quite impressed with Spal but it's nothing new because they've been all right this season and what are your thoughts on their survival chances then now that they're out of the bottom three uh Spal are a very very solid side I've been uh uh since I'm quite a junior in my commentating career, I always get the, the bottom side. So I've become almost a Benevento expert. I've been commentating on it at every win by Benevento. And what I can say about them is that they're, they're a bit random in the way they play. Spal are the exact opposite. Spal perhaps have less magic to their um, Serie A campaign so far, but they're very solid and... Uh, they know really know what they're doing on the pitch. The players, they play that 3-5-2 formation, two strikers. You can see the movements, the way the wingers find space. It's it's well worked uh, during the week. And you see that Leonardo Semplici's work translates on the pitch week in, week out. They struggle to score for how much they produce. They only got one goal and it was uh, Alberto Grassi, a product of, the, uh, of uh, Atalanta in recent years. He got a fantastic goal. And that won it for them. But if Mattia Destro got their equalizer in the final minutes, then you know they'd be still s- struggling to get those points. So I think Spal, compared to the other teams down there, they deserve it more than anyone else. They deserve it more than uh, than Verona, who've been playing 
completely random for the whole season. Benevento, who, yeah, and I'd love Benevento to stay up, but I'm not sure they deserve it as such. And, um, and I think even Crotone have shown overall that they've been struggling more than, uh, than Spal. The thing with Spal is that they need to, to, to be more efficient up front and um, they need to also start getting a bit more results away from home. They did beat Crotone last week and that's, that was a very big win. Uh, but of course, they'll be playing Sassuolo next week and that will be absolutely huge because obviously Sassuolo now are back in it. So, yeah, I mean, it's really difficult to say because... Everyone's so close um, to each other that, you know, you get a couple of wins in a row and you're back out of it. Yeah, I think we're all kind of fans of Spal on this. We backed them in their promotion for us last season and we've all kind of kept an eye on them. This I've watched them more times than I probably should have, including a game that I went to when they played Verona and somehow found themselves 2-0 down. But then in that Semplici way, they, they looked solid at the back and they knew exactly what they were doing going forward. But... One thing we've joked about on this before is that they've kind of put together a bit of an Atalanta B team in some of the players they've signed, but that will stand to them because these are players who have been involved in relegation fights before and come out on the right end of it. And I just think that they've got a squad that is probably, I don't want to say it because how often do you hear it said about teams that go down, but they've got a squad that is probably too good to go down because they are probably worthy of finishing in a mid-table place. And if they can get through this first season in Serie A, I don't see why they can't finish in a nice 10th, 11th position next season, given the, the amount of rubbish that is in that bottom half of Serie A. Vito, uh, it's hard to really comment too much on how it's taken shape down there, but Spal are now out of the relegation zone, obviously level with Sassuolo in 16th and just two points off Chievo in 14th. And Chievo were due to play Sassuolo this weekend which would have been huge. Um, Crotone were supposed to be away at Torino, who are now eight, or Crotone rather are 18th. So it's definitely interesting down there. I'm, I'm thinking Sassuolo are going to fall into that bottom three with Verona and Benevento. What are your thoughts? Um, hard to disagree with you on that one, Connor. Um, on paper, you'd think Verona would go down with Benevento and Sassuolo don't look like they're going to turn a corner anytime soon. Uh, as I mentioned last week, they need Berardi and Politano to provide a lot more assists and goals, but not enough of their plays constructive. And it seems that Beppe Iacchini has not improved the team since that honeymoon period after he replaced Christian Bucchi. Spal, uh, I reckon, are more than capable of surviving. And... It was good that Grassi scored because it goes to show that at least someone can chip in with the goals. Otherwise, I felt, as I was saying last week, that there would be a lot of dependence on Paloski and Antenucci needing to score the goals. So if Grassi can score a volley like that a few more times, that would help. And yeah, it'd be good if uh, Viviani can provide some of his uh, free kicks because he, he actually knows how to hit a good free kick. It's just, you know, playing for Spal, you don't get as much attention. Uh, Jax wants to know when the postponed games are going to take place. As far as I know, that's still to be confirmed. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Looking ahead to this week, then Spurs, Juventus in the Champions League. Juve have it all to do going to Wembley, but given how they performed at the weekend and how they performed for the last seven years in Italy, you've got to fancy their chances. Very... Do you think they can go through? 
Well, I said uh, I said before the first game that them both them and Roma would have gone through somehow. Uh, I think if you look at the first leg and the result Spurs got, it's difficult for for Juve to to get a result and Wembley. But what I have to say is that I. I think Spurs should have done a bit more for how they played. They, they, they played so well at the stadium that Tottenham should have probably tried and win that game. Uh, Juventus had the better chances uh, overall. They could have scored a lot more goals, but Tottenham were so dominant. And I think we're going to see a similar kind of, of game at Wembley. But if you concede those kind of chances with Dybala and uh, possibly Higuain back, I think Juve could, uh, could get the away goals to go through. So... Um, Juve aren't as brilliant as they've uh, they've perhaps been in the past, but they can be very clinical, and that will make a difference against Spurs. Yeah, it's kind of got the makings of a, a terrible game that is nil nil or one each until the ninety third minute, and then Paolo Dybala does something magic. Uh, guys, I think we've done quite well to get this far. We've gone on for what 40 minutes talking about three games that took place so i'm happy to end it there Vito, let people know where they can find your stuff on social media actually sorry before i let you do that phil did comment earlier saying that he's leaving tomorrow to go to the army for a year which is a comment i didn't expect to read from one of our usuals so phil if that's true good luck and we'll be here waiting for you to come back in a year's time. Uh, all right, Vito, take it away. Let people know where they can find you on social media. All right, so there's my Facebook page at Vito Doria. Then there's Instagram and Twitter, and my handle is at Vito C. Doria. Okay, Vieri, do the same. Yeah, catch me on uh, Twitter. My handle is at Vieri Capretta. Nice and easy. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Conjay Clancy and Facebook by searching Connor Clancy. All right, guys, um, thank you so much for joining me and getting over that technology problem earlier on, Vieri. That was an absolute nightmare. Me and Vito thought we were going to be a two-man show again. We managed, we managed. There's worse things in life. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Thanks to everyone for Keep it active in the comments. You always make things easier. It's nice to know we're not just sitting here talking to ourselves. And we'll be back same time next week, hopefully on time next week for once. But there's nothing else for me to say other than share for now. Sempre la vittoria
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.